0: Guys, something really important happened in worship. Joey's baffling hat fell off. Oil. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, man. Guys, you can't get that anywhere else. All right, well, let's get going. I've got uh, too much to say, not enough time in which to say it. Uh, I want to start with a really important question this morning. Uh, it's, it's one that's been on my mind all week. Uh, you guys remember Remember Saved by the Bell? That was, that was a good show. So, <laughs> somebody, you really like it. I did that thing, like, you ever have something that you liked in your past and then you, like, actually watch it today and you're, like, you want to like it, but you know it's stupid, right? Like every, nothing's funny. You're not laughing at anything. You're like, why are they dressed that way? All these stupid problems they get themselves into don't make any sense at all. Like it's kind of one of those things, but there is this, that nostalgia of just like getting home from school and, and watching Saved by the Bell. Um, but I was thinking about this week because um, there's this one part in Saved by the Bell that was kind of a staple um, where uh, Zach Morris would call timeout. You guys remember this? He would just randomly in the middle of the show, just call timeout and everybody would freeze but him. Remember that? Um, and he would use that time to like talk to the person watching and talk about the problem that he had gotten himself into or whatever, um, but I used to, like, when I was watching it, I always was like, kind of, that, that part would always throw me off because it was, it was strange, you know, the technical term is breaking the fourth wall. He was talking to us instead of, like, being in his world. But the dude had the ability to freeze time. Like, that's a crazy superpower to be able to have. And he used it to, like, talk for a couple minutes and then he just went right back. I'm like, if you have the ability to freeze time, the problem you're telling us about, you could solve Well, time is stopped. Like, you could do anything you want. And, like, if you have an imagination... Like you could get really jealous of Zach in having this ability, right? Like if if your alarm goes off and you're not like ready to wake up, time out, <laughs> go back to sleep, wake up, time back in. Your alarm's still going off, boom, you're 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 good. Um, stuck in traffic, time out, driving the wrong side of the road, you know, <laughs> get there, come back, time time back in. Uh, in a draining social situation, timeout, go on a week's vacation, time back in. Hey, I think I'm ready to actually continue this conversation. Um, it would be a really cool superpower. I don't know about you, but like when I think about something like that, I get really jealous of that ability. And I think we all could uh, fantasize about the ability to stop time. But I think one of the reasons it's so appealing is because many of us feel like we don't have enough time. So, we could use this superpower to do all the things that we feel like we don't have time to do, right? We could squeeze 30 hours worth of stuff into the 24 hours that we actually have if we could call time out. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, yeah, man, that would be amazing. Uh, That would be amazing to be able to stop time, to be able to get done what I feel like I want to need to get done. But I want to show you a verse. I want to show you a verse. I feel like this is a really important verse. Like, it kind of. (sighs) <sighs> almost takes the, the wind out of wanting to fantasize about having a, a timeout ability in your life because it's, it's just really important. It's written by this guy named Peter. Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. If, if you know anything about the disciples of Jesus, Peter's one of the more famous ones. Uh, when he got older in life, he wrote a couple of books of the Bible. One of them is named Second Peter. Uh, chapter one, verse three. It's just part of the verse, actually. Here's what he says. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. By God's power, not your power, by God's power, he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Everything, everything. There's this preacher joke. I make fun of preachers a lot, even though I am one. And I think I've done this before, but I'm, I'm gonna stop doing it because it's annoying. Um, where they do this thing like, you know what everything means in the original language? I looked it up. It means everything. Ha, ha, ha. And everybody kind of like rolls their eyes and laughs at him. Same way you do with a dad joke because dad jokes are the worst. You guys know that, right? The dad jokes are the worst kind of jokes. That they're, It's the lowest form of humor. Sarcasm is a hundred times better than dad jokes. If you make puns, I'm not your friend. Um, I actually told, I'm sorry, Joey. I love you. I got to stop picking on Joey so much. I'm afraid he'll like leave me. I like, Joey, you're my friend. I love you. Joey makes more dad jokes than most dads and Joey's not a dad. So that's kind of weird. Uh, but whatever, it's the worst. What were we talking about? All right. Everything, everything. That's crazy, right? I mean, look at that verse. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. You have what you need to live the life God wants you to live. You have it, including enough time. You have it. That's what this verse says. You have everything you need to live the life that God wants you to live. Now, follow my logic here. Give me for a minute that this verse is true. I don't even know where you're at, but let's just accept it. Humor me. This verse is true. This verse says that you have everything you need to do what God wants you to do in your life. That true. Add that to the fact that you're probably sitting here going, I feel like I don't have enough time to do all the things that are in my life. I don't feel like I have enough time. That to me equals, there are some things in your life that don't belong there. There are some things in your life that don't belong there, right? If God said, I gave you everything you need, including the amount of time to do the things that I want you to do, and you feel like you don't have enough time to do the things, therefore, There are some things that you're trying to jam into your life that actually don't belong. They don't belong. You follow my logic? Again, you have to accept that that verse is true. But if you do, I feel like that has to be true. That there are some things that you're trying to jam into your life that you want there, but God doesn't necessarily want them there. So here's the deal. Uh, Last week, if you were here, we talked about rest. Rest. Uh, and I pointed out that like rest, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the fourth commandment, right? On the top 10, 10 commandments, God said, rest, work six days, rest one. Uh, and we talked about that last week, uh, that we're supposed to respect the rhythm of creation that God created us to, to, to follow. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a trust thing and it's a, we'll be at our best thing if we actually respect that rhythm, work six, rest one. Uh, So this week I had tons of conversations with people just like, just Sunday night into into Monday and then into Tuesday, I had a whole bunch of conversations and I found out that that sermon really struck a chord with a lot of people. Like it it was a thing. Um, And I was a little mean last week, so I get it. Um, Be meaner this week, I just realized. uh, Two mean ones in a row, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to, you're supposed to have a rhythm to even preach. I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to make you feel good today. Um, I won't. Um but I feel like it struck a chord. A lot of people were like talking about like this rest idea and and, like what I got back, if I was listening well, and I I really want to listen well, I I don't want to just speak. I want to hear how things affect people. What I got back is a lot of us struggle to rest because we're so busy. That's the big reason right it's not it's not that we just don't want to it's not that we didn't know uh, we have some vague sense that we're supposed to rest, but it was busyness that kept coming back to me that I'm so busy I don't have time to do that thing that God said to do. so what I kind of have come to the conclusion that's why this sermon like I switched I had another sermon that I was going to preach, and I put it back you know in the back burner, and then i I, I pulled this because um if If you're not resting because you're too busy, then you don't have a rest problem. You have a busy problem, right? You're too busy. So we got to solve a busy problem before you can even get to the rest problem. So you have a busy problem. You have a busy problem. And I really believe 2 Peter 1.3 that says you have everything you need to do what God wants you to do. So if you're saying, I don't have time to rest, I know that that's one of the things that God wants you to do because he was explicit about that, which means some of the other stuff that God wasn't explicit about that's still in your life has to be on the chopping block, right? So one of my conversations, I was talking to somebody and they, we were, she was telling me she had had some conversations with people about my sermon too. And she said, I think a lot of people were struggling with like what to cut, what to cut. And I was like, that's it. That's the name of the sermon. I'm gonna preach that one. And I wrote this based off of that one line, what to cut. Uh, so let's talk. And I just want to acknowledge some of you are like, I don't need that. Fine. Cool. Uh, send this sermon to somebody who does. Um, but most of us in this room, you're too busy to rest like God wants you to. So I'm saying there are some things in your life that you, you need to cut. They don't, they don't make it. You're going to have to uh, make some tough decisions. So um, I'll just say this the answer is not to cut sleep. Okay. So, so I, I feel like I talked to at least one person who's like, well, oh, just sleep less. Like, that's the solution. Like, yeah, I could go off five hours, right? Like, you can watch my two year old. She only sleeps five hours too. It's great. We love it. Um, that's not the answer Uh, getting more efficient in your life nothing wrong with that that's not going to be the answer taking cocaine that's not going to be the answer um you can't can't do any of those things you good you good your weird part was first service didn't laugh at that and i was a little concerned they was like touched a nerve evidently first you only get up early to come first service now we know why weird people you got to cut some things now, wouldn't it be cool if I could stand up here and as I like give you a list, I would love it if I could just stand up here and like, boom, like one through 10, here's 10 things you need to cut out of your life and boom, 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 boom. I would love to be able to do that. Um, and and there's some stuff that's universal. I mean, I could make the joke that, you know, pull out the phone, okay, everybody tell me how many hours you spent on this this week. I don't want to do that. Partially because it's too, it's too close to home for me. Um, but the fact of the matter is that with a group of, With this many people, like there's some things that some of you should definitely keep doing. And there are some people who that very same thing you should stop doing. So it's too diverse. I can't give you just what to cut. I have to, instead we have to talk about how to make the decision of what to cut, right? You need some principles. You need a way of thinking about this that can apply to your individual life. So that's what I want to do. I want to look at three verses Uh, that will help to kind of start to give you like a framework in your life of how to decide what to cut. I love that this whole sermon is based off of the idea that I'm just assuming you should cut things out of your life. I hope that's not offensive, but there's, come on, there's some stuff you need to cut. There is. All right, ready? Uh, First verse, Ah, Psalm 90. See, your phone rings or it buzzes in the middle of Cirrus and it's it's an app reminding me to pray. You know what? Let's pray before we jump into this. Who knows? Maybe that's God. Lord, there's three verses here we're gonna look at. Help me to stay on task. Help me to uh, say the things that you want me to say and man, just help our hearts to be open to this. Lord, I know this is not an easy thing uh, for us to go through uh, mentally, but Lord, I just wanna be in tune with what you're doing here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, Echo App, for reminding me to pray. Psalm 90.12 says this, "'Teach us to number our days "'that we may gain a heart of wisdom.'" Now, I find that as an interesting verse, uh, just so you know, uh, usually when you think of Psalms, I don't know about you, I think David, oh, David wrote this. This one actually is Moses. Uh, Moses wrote this one. It's a little um, <laughs> heavier because of that. Moses was kind of a, uh, I guess not as jolly of a guy as David. Um, but I, I find this fascinating because the two phrases that are in here, teach us the number of days and gaining a heart of wisdom. Like you would think that they almost kind of, you you could say stand alone. Like I want to number my days and I want to have a heart of wisdom. But what makes this verse unique is that, that it's actually contingent. He hitches these two things together. And he says, teaching us to number our days will help us gain a heart of wisdom. Like they're actually, it's, it's if this, then this, that, that one helps you do the other one. And it's kind of surprising the, the way that they're put together, right? Because what he's actually saying is, if you remember that you have a limited number of days on this earth, somehow that is going to produce wisdom in your life. That's interesting. That you just keeping in the forefront of your mind that you have a fixed amount of days that you're going to live. It's not infinity. There's a number. But that's somehow going to help you when you make decisions in your life. that's going to give you wisdom remembering that you're going to die someday. And I always like to say, like, with verses like this, if you flip it, I feel like it also, it's saying the same thing, but it helps you kind of see it a little bit different. What, he, what he's saying, like, if you take the opposite, if you forget that you're going to die someday, it'll produce foolishness, right? Like, so if you, if you kind of have the attitude, I've got forever, then you're going to make foolish decisions. But if you remember someday I'm going to die, it produces wisdom. So let me remind you of an inconvenient truth. You're going to die someday. Happy, happy church. You're going to die. You don't know when. Um, but this verse says that if you could just remember that, something will change inside of you. That there's gonna be something's produced inside of you, like a little match being struck inside your soul. It'll light up parts of it that aren't normally lit up, and it's gonna help you with the details of your life. And I know this one's weird because if I'm, if I'm going off of the premise, what to cut, and you're like, okay, now you're telling me to remember that I'm going to die someday. How does that help me <laughs> know what to cut? Um, I don't know. This one might not be like as direct as, as, as maybe you would like, but, but I do think like first on the list, as you're looking at all the things that could come into your life is considering the fact that, hey, I only have a limited number of days. At the very least, it should motivate you to want to filter some of these things out, right? Because you now, like all your time is actually really valuable because you're not going to live forever. So time matters. And then secondly, like, shouldn't it, shouldn't it be a part of the way you make the decision? Like, hey, I'm not going to live forever. Should I do this? Like, my, I actually have a limited number of days on this earth. Does this matter enough? Does it even reach the point in my life where I would consider doing it because I don't only have a certain number of days, And that's, that's, what's weird, right? If you've ever talked to somebody who like knows a little bit, like they have had a health thing and they're like, Hey, I've got like a couple of years, dude, they're pretty specific, right? Like, if you know, you only have 18 months to live, you're going to make some choices. You're not just going to go, yeah, I'll go waste a couple of weeks. Like, no, those weeks matter. And the fact is we don't know, we don't know. So we should treat our time as incredibly valuable. Uh, I did, (laughs) I did this thing this week, um, on my phone. Uh, So I started thinking about this verse and I was like reflecting on it. And I was like, man, I wonder what what is the average like lifespan of an American male? Um, It's somewhere in the seventies, slightly younger than females live longer. Um, So I did this thing. Have you ever done this? Or I took that number and then I took my age and I subtracted it from that number Like, do you ever do that to kind of get a feel for what, if I live the average age, how much time I have left? And then, this is the weird part. I have this app on my phone that's like, (laughs) it's a countdown timer. And I type in the date and I know now if I live the, I picked a random, I'll tell you. (laughs) Maybe it's important. I don't know. I just randomly picked it. I also know, that I've been married to my wife for 6,595 days in one hour, happy anniversary. I've been lead pastor for 11 years and three months. I have a bunch of random things. Restart church, remember we didn't have church during COVID, that was 721 days ago. Random things. And my death, (laughs) 13,263. I picked, (laughs) November 22nd. I don't know why. That's weird. I think I thought winter, t- like we're going into wintertime and I would just decide that I didn't want to do that again. <laughs> I was like, I'll just, I'll just die before it gets bad. First snow, I'm out. That's, that's what I'm going to do. little morbid, little morbid. Um, and maybe you're like, I don't like that. Like for me, so there's this Latin phrase and I put it at the top of the app on that part. Um, it's memento more. Uh, remember your death. And uh, I do think it's important to live my life in the context of my death, that I will eventually die someday. So every decision I'm going to make, I want to put it through that filter. I only have 13,000 days left, best case scenario-ish, you know, could give or take a couple hundred. Um, So I want to live my life well. So that's the first filter you want to drop decisions through. Hey, I'm only going to live a certain amount of time. What does that mean? What does that mean? That's, that's the first one. All right, let's look at the second one. Second verse is in Ephesians chapter five. This Apostle Paul. Uh, he wrote this little section, uh, verses 15 through 17, just real punchy little sayings here. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Uh, classically, if you look up like, time in a Bible verse, like this is one of the top ones that'll come up because Paul here is admonishing us about our lives and how we spend time. So I want to look at at each verse here. Um, The first one is kind of like his introductory thought on this little subject, like be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And I don't know why the thing that popped in my mind, you guys ever watch The Office? You should. It's funny. Um, that you ever seen that meme, the Dwight meme, where uh, Michael tells him not to be an idiot. And he says like, when I'm about to do something, I think would an idiot do that thing. And if they would, I wouldn't, I won't do it. Like that, that's essentially what Paul just said. Like, hey, um, don't be an idiot with your time. Like that's really deep. You should, you should take this advice. Don't, don't be an idiot. Actually be, be smart with your time. Um, And like I said, I think that's more introductory because then he kind of starts to flesh out what it means to not live like a fool, but to actually live like a wise person. And he dropped down into verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do you guys not watch The Office? Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Why would you? I'm just kidding. Um, That is a waste of time. And I can't believe more people said they watched Saved by the Bell than The Office. This is weird. Pick your shows better, people. All right, verse 16. It's way deeper than we give it credit for. Uh, Some translations, if you read in a different translation, say make the most of your time uh, in these evil days. But I actually think this is the NLT, that this this is uh, more right. Um, Because in the Greek, there are actually two words for time. There are two words for time, chronos and kairos, chronos and kairos. Chronos is just like the passing of time. That's where we get the word chronological, um, and it just it just happens, right? You're just going from minute to minute to minute. Kairos uh, carries the idea of like not a minute but a moment. You know what I'm saying? Like it's different. It's not just 60 seconds a it's a moment in time. It's a moment that is more important than other. Moments, right? Um, a minute is just a minute, but a moment that, that has meaning, right? So uh, a, a chronos minute is 60 seconds long, but a kairos moment, well, that doesn't, it's not about duration, right? It's about meaning. It's about purpose that's jammed into that moment. Uh, a kairos moment is pregnant with meaning. It's a, it's a minute that means more than the other minutes of your life. Um, and we all you, you you have these, right? you know you can think back over your life, you don't remember every minute, but you remember the moments, right you remember the the moments that were more important than the other minutes, and they, they were just sixty seconds long, right that that moment you said, "I do," right that's a bigger minute than some of the other minutes of your life, like when you got married or that that moment that somebody handed you your child for the first time or that moment where you walked across the stage and got that diploma, like those moments are like more important than other moments. We just have to acknowledge that that in your life, not all time is created equal. Some time is more important than other times. And that's actually what he's saying here. It would be really, I think, almost oppressive if he's like, make the most of every minute. That would be like one of those people who really just want you to be really efficient in your life. But that's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying be make the most of every minute. He's saying, hey, don't miss those moments. Don't miss the moment. The moments are really important. And, and if you have them, you, you don't, don't let them pass by because we're in these evil days. Like time, it's, it's not easy to have moments these days. And he's saying, hey, make sure you don't miss them. And what I want to point out is that I feel like some of us are jamming our lives so full, our chronos minutes so full that we're going to miss those kairos moments. Instead of living minute to minute, what if we lived moment to moment? What if we focused our energy on those times that are more important than other times? Don't miss it. Make the most of those. And I know that's a little subjective. Not every moment is the same for every person, but I want to challenge you. You know there are moments that are more important than other ones. Are you living your life in such a way that the moments matter? Are you prioritizing Moments. So for me, that's another filter. So we have the first filter of, uh, "Hey, I'm going to die someday. Let's if does the thing. Make, if I'm going to cut this thing, does it even make it through that? I'm going to die someday. You know what? I'm not going to spend any of my days on this." Um, second filter, like, am I prioritizing moments? Am I prioritizing those those little pieces of time, those pregnant minutes of my life that have a little more meaning, that have a little more purpose. Am I prioritizing that? Will, if I say yes to this thing, does it it lead to a moment or is it just a minute? I think that's important. And again, I know that's subjective. You have to make some decisions on that. And then verse 17. Verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, if someone would say to me, hey, did you think before you made that decision? I would be insulted. I don't know about you. So um, if I come up to you and be like, hey, did you like think about that? Like that would be the beginning of a fight with, between me and my wife, right? Like if, if that sentence was said, um, I don't like to be insulted like that. But um, Paul just kind of said it to us. So what is it? I, I want to flesh that out a little bit though. I don't think he's just going at you saying, hey, think before you make a decision. Think before you say yes to something. Um, But I will say, I think what this pushes back on is something that kind of has happened in our our culture um, where you're presented with a thing you could do and you you don't think about it, not because you're like not thinking about it, but because you feel like you have to do it. So what I wanna push back on with this little section here, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do, what Paul just said. I wanna push back on this idea that like there's just some stuff you have to do in your life and you're just pushed along. Like you're riding the wave of everything that comes into your life. This passive being driven along feeling that you have instead of actively choosing the things that you do or do not do in your life. So, for example, uh, how many of you, like, you have young kids, you, haven't, you, haven't, you have kids, but you don't have kids of, of uh, school age yet. Anybody in that situation, you don't, you, you don't have a kid who's in school age yet? So, here's the thing. I want to warn you about something. This is really important for you to know. Uh, kindergarten, kids five, right? Their first week of kindergarten, they're going to have a folder. It's the most annoying folder on the planet, Okay. And it's got one side, it says, stay at home. And the other side, it says, uh, return back to school. And uh, you would think they're in kindergarten. This is just not going to be a big thing. But I promise you, this folder turns into a book, a novel that the school has written. And than anybody else who has access to this folder has written about all the things that you should do. And it's, it's amazing the amount of things that come home in this folder with, for a five-year-old. For a five-year-old, you're going to have to hire a secretary to go through these things and tell you what's in there unless you want to spend just the time it takes to look and consider each thing is a commitment um, on top of the fact that they also have your email address and they will be trying to hit you up there. But let me just give you a, for example, of the stuff that's going to be in this folder. There's going to be the next fundraiser for the PTA or the PTO, and I don't know the difference and I don't care. Um but there will be a fundraiser and they will be asking you to help with it. Um, They will want you uh, to be on a volunteer schedule for an event that's going to happen in their classroom, maybe a couple of different events. Um, There will also be a snack schedule that's separate from the volunteer schedule that you should probably also participate in. Super important that you do that. Um, There will be spirit days for everything. Flag day, they participate, they care about flag day. I don't even know what that day is. Arbor day, they're gonna plant a tree. You're gonna wanna be there. Um, classroom parties randomly all the time a community event here a community event there Billy's birthday party Sally's birthday party this club that club sports sports the new app that they're going to like have be out you need to sign up for the app so they can have another way to tell you of all the things that you need to do right Um, there is I, I, I tried to find it this way. I'm usually pretty good at Googling things. I could not find. I wanted to find somebody who did a study on actually how much time it would take to do all the things that, that your kid brings home. Cause I feel like it's more than 24 hours a day. Like that's how much stuff's gonna come to you as a parent of a kindergartner, And that's just one kid. Um, and you, well, the cool part, the reason I picked this as the illustration is because I actually think you can't say yes to it all. I don't think you can. But there's this, there's this like cloud over our culture right now. And I don't know where it comes from. I think it's Pinterest, but I don't know where it comes from that has this, this feel that you're supposed to be able to say yes to all of it and make it look easy while doing it all. Like that's, that's like the, Feeling that you have when you're flipping through all these papers and you, you're like drawn to it. You want to say yes to all this stuff. And it's weird. It's wild to me. I'm, by the way, I'm just immune to this. You're welcome. I'm immune to this. Um, I'm not bit by whatever snake that is that makes you want to do all that stuff. Um, it's, it's because it's mom guilt, right? It's that mom guilt thing. You think. That if you don't, if you don't sign up to volunteer for this thing, or you don't bring cookies to this thing, or you don't be a part of this whatever event, that somehow that makes you not a not a good mom. That that's what happens, right? You're, you have this perception that if you don't participate in all these things, if you don't say yes to all these things, that there's something wrong with you, that you're not doing it the way you're supposed to be doing it. But I want to I want to do something for you today. I'm going to release you. I really do. I I almost. I don't believe in magic, but like, I almost feel like it is a spell that's been woven over our culture. So I want to release you from that spell. I'm going to pull a Gandalf today and release you from the spell of mom guilt. I want to release you from the spell of having to say yes. Here's the deal. That folder, check this out. You don't have to say yes to any of it. The medical form you do have to fill out in return, but everything else. Everything else you can say, we're not doing that. You are allowed. You're allowed. It doesn't make you a bad mom. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad parent. It doesn't. You don't have to say yes to everything. You don't have to say yes to anything. But for some reason, there's this pressure, this feel that your kid has to be in three sports and play the violin. And you have to bring a snack for that second sport after they finish playing, which by the way is ridiculous. Why do we give our kids snacks after they play a sport that defeats all purpose? Gatorade and Cheetos. What the? What is the point of them playing? If you're gonna like, listen, Janet. I love that you're bringing snacks for my kid, but I'm not gonna participate in that. I don't care about them having a snack. They're gonna be home in five minutes. They don't need one, anyways. Tell Janet to go away. Um, live. Don't live thoughtlessly. Because what I think again that's not you're not thinking you're you're you have this feeling this this guilt feeling of all these papers and all these things and it's not just that right you get you get event requests on Facebook. You get all this stuff coming at your face all the time. How are you going to make the decision of what to say yes to and what to say no to? Because you can't say yes to everything. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. You physically cannot do it. Unless you can clone yourself and have multiples of you, you will not be able to be on the PTO, participate in this volunteer event, make cupcakes, go to this birthday party, buy the perfect birthday gift and have a card and actually wrap it. Not on the way there. That would be amazing. But you can't. You can't do it all you can't. So what you have to be able to do is have a way to make the decisions of what you will say yes to and what you will say no to. And by the way, if you really struggle with this, I have this business idea. I'm just floating it out there First service, really liked it. I'm going to just see how you guys feel. I'll let you get on the ground floor. I'm going to start a service. Um, it's a, it's a call-in thing. So if you have a problem, if you are presented with an idea of a thing to do and you're feeling that guilt. Like, I think I, I, feel like, I feel like I should do it, even though I'm not like, I don't think I should do it. I feel like I should do it. You call this number and I'm on the other end. I'm not delegating this to anyone. I, it will be me. It will be only me. And uh, every phone call will be 60 seconds long. And you're gonna say, hey, so Janet wants me to bring cupcakes for my kid's soccer game. And, and here's what I'm gonna say back. No, that's stupid click. That's it. That's the whole service. And you there I'm thinking about a pre- I don't know why we I did it again. Like so like I'm this in nineteen ninety five we're hanging up a phone like this. Um There's a premium package where like, if you need me to tell you how stupid Janet is, I will tell you that that's dumb. We shouldn't, you shouldn't have to feel this way and all that stuff. But, but really my primary goal with this service would be to release you from this nameless guilt that you have for not doing certain things. Like I said, I'm immune. Uh, My wife is not. So we have this conversation. I am, I could give you my resume of how many times I've said that sentence to my wife. No, that's stupid. Um, Not to her, but about the, thing that she's bringing to me. Um, because I just, I don't have that. I don't, I don't feel that pressure. I can show up to pick my kid up and not feel those weird looks from the PTO. I'm like, I don't even know what a PTO is. I don't feel guilty for this. Like you can't make me feel guilty for not doing those things. Um, but I, I'm thinking about starting the service. If you want to get in on the ground floor, this is the time I feel like it'll be a really big hit. Um, no is a complete sentence. You know that? No is a complete sentence. You can say no. You can say no. You don't even really, for most people, you don't even have to give a reason. See, even that, even your compelled, this compelling feeling that you have to tell them why, where does it come from? Like, yeah, you know, if your parents invite you over, your family, like you might want to give a real reason for not going, but like, you should probably go to those. Um, But like, you don't have to give random stranger reasons. You can just say, no, thank you. I get a lot of practice saying no right now to my two-year-old. I say no all the time. I'm like a pro at saying no. um, And I don't really give her reasons a lot, usually because it's like stick a fork in an outlet. Like that's just not a good idea to really explain it. Um, No is a complete sentence. It is. And I think like, if we were more honest too, (laughs) because you lie about it. You do. You say the sentence, I don't have time for that, but that's not true. You know why it's not true? Because even that sentence, and here's my, here's my, that sentence, when you say I don't have time for it, like on one hand, you should still say it. It's important because you shouldn't say my alternative. And here's my alternative. I'm not going to make that a priority. That sounds meaner, but it's true. It's more true. Because the, here, here's the thing. This is the, the thing I want to push back against in your life. So many people live their life like they're reading it, not writing it. You live your life like you're reading your life, not writing it. Like, like you turn the page and you're like, oh, that's what we're doing now. Like, no, no, rip the page out. You get to write. You, get, you have the power to choose. In your life, like you get to choose these things. You get to choose what you do and what you do not do. Stop acting like every time you get a piece of paper, it's like, oh, I have to do this thing now. Like, no, you don't. You can just say yes or no and move on with your life. Write your life. Don't read it. If you just read it, if you just allow everything to come in, you're gonna live this crazy hodgepodge of a life of things where other people decided what was important for you. You don't have to. You decide what's important. Don't let. And isn't it weird? You know what it is? It's like adult peer pressure. You're not in middle school anymore. Who cares what they think? Live how God wants you to live. You don't have to say yes to this stuff. You don't. All right. Have I beat you into submission? Say no. Say no. All right. Now, Paul said that sentence, don't act thoughtlessly. And that's all of what I just said was on don't act thoughtlessly. But then he added a little trailer but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't let everybody else decide. Don't, don't just go with the flow. Understand what God wants you to do. That's the question, right? Not, not what Janet wants you to do, but what does God want you to do? That's the hard question, right? <laughs> don't you just want to hand God the folder? All right, Lord, here's all the things that I could do in my life. Tell me which ones I'm supposed to do. That'd be awesome. He doesn't. Um, but I want to I start to answer that. And this is the last filter that you can put this through. It's in Matthew 6:33. I'm going to read it to you in the King James Version because it's better there. Here's what he says. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. First in order, first in rank, first in importance you are going to have an almost uncountable number of opportunities cross your face in your life. You need a way to decide, you need a way to decide. You can't say yes to everything. You're gonna to have to say no to everything. How are you going to decide? Here's my, you, in order to be able to even have an opinion about what you should say yes to and what you say, should say no to, you first have to have purpose. You have to know your purpose. You have to know your why. If you're going to say yes or no to to a what, you have to first answer why. Why? What is my purpose? That's the first step in being able to prioritize the things that are going to come at you in this life. Because you're never gonna choose between good and bad, right? That's never the choice. That, because it's not a choice. We always like, oh, if I choose between good and bad, I'll choose good. You never choose, you don't even, it's not even a choice. You just go with good because bad is bad and good is good. Those aren't the hard ones. It's good and good, it's good and good, it's good and great. Those are the harder questions. And you have to define what is great in your life. Why did God put me on this earth? That is your north star in making these decisions. I think, see, for me, this one's so freeing. If you know, like, no, on a gut level, why God puts you on this earth and you pursue that passionately, it's really easy to say no to the things that don't push you towards that. It's really easy to know the difference between good and great. And this would free everything up. If you knew why you were on this earth, if you knew and down, all the way down in the DNA. If you knew this is why God created me, then you just pursue that. Shed everything else. Leave room for one day off a week. It's easy. <laughs> so last, last week I mentioned that like driven people really struggle with rest, but then there was like another side over here of people who maybe struggled with resting too much. Remember that? So like, you know, kind of put them on the stage and like driven people, they struggled to turn the engine off these people over here maybe struggle to even get the engine to start. I actually think this idea though of knowing your purpose in life solves both problems. For the person who's driven, um, if you could focus that driven and say, this is why God put me on this earth, your drivenness would actually help you because you're going to really want to be efficient in that and you're going to shed the things that don't belong and pursue single-mindedly your purpose. So it would help you. But it would also help you over here. If you're like, I just rest too much. I can't seem to get the engine to turn on. Well, your problem is you don't know why you're here. You don't have a purpose. So you struggle to get up in the morning because you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. If you could find out why God created you, why he put your DNA together in this order and put you on this earth at this time, if you knew that, that would be the thing that would start the engine and get you going. So I feel like this actually solves both problems. You need to know why you're here. You need to know why you're here. I don't know it. I don't know your purpose. Not, not on like the detail level, but I can tell you some things. Like if you're you're a Christian, I know that your purpose has something to do with building God's kingdom. I know it. It's something to do with that. I know that it will have something to do with pushing back darkness in this world. I know it will. It will have something to do with seeking and saving the lost because that's what Jesus said to do. It will have something to do with that. And it will have something to do with loving people like Jesus. Your purpose will have something to do with those things. Um, Your purpose will be something that ripples into eternity. It will. Now, that might not change a what. Your what. I don't, my goal for this sermon is not to get everybody to quit and go into full-time ministry. Please don't. You need to be called into that. It's a disaster. It's hard. You know, we only work one day a week. Yeah, it's hard, okay? Um, But maybe your purpose is right where you work, but you just need to change your mentality where you work. Maybe God wants to use you in an eternal way in the things you're doing. But that's the question you have to ask, right? What's my why? Am I just doing this for a paycheck or has God got something bigger here for me? And that's the question that you have to ask about everything. Every single paper that comes by, every single Facebook event that you get presented with, why? Not just why, but like, why? Will this, will my presence in this ripple into eternity? Is this where God wants to use me because my purpose is this? If you don't have that, it's gonna be really hard to make these decisions because you're just kind of throwing darts in the dark, right? So let me share mine. Uh, So if if you're not a Christian, you need to know this about me. This is really important. Um, I really believe, I really believe that 2000 years ago, God came down to earth. Like I really believe that, that his name was Jesus. I believe that that was not some random historical thing and some guy named Jesus. No, I believe God came down for real. And he lived like a perfect life. He went a hundred out of a hundred. He lived a perfect life and we killed him. I believe that. I believe that we humans, I mean, think about how crazy that is that God comes down. That's the most important thing that has ever happened. He comes down and what do we do? We kill him. We kill him. I believe that. But as bad as that is, it's like the worst thing to ever happen. God comes down and we kill him. But it's also uh, the best thing to ever happen because um, in his death, he gave us life. That, that, That was a spiritually, again, the most significant thing to ever happen because we're not perfect. He was perfect and he pays for our imperfection with that sacrificial death on the cross. And that now everything's different because of what he did and and i really believe for real not some metaphor not some hypothetical thing not some mystical spiritual thing i really for real believe that jesus walked out of that grave three days later for real. And it wasn't just a physical miracle. It was, but it was bigger than that. That in that act of walking out of that tomb, he conquered sin, Satan, death, demons. He gave us the opportunity to have a relationship with God and a future home in heaven. That for me is the pinnacle of history. It is the most important thing to have ever happened. And if you put your faith in Jesus, that's what happens. He takes your sin, he gives you his righteousness. You now have a relationship with God and a future home in heaven. I believe all of that, for real, for real. And then he walked around the earth for about 40 days and he said, hey, I'm leaving. You guys need to tell people about this. This is the most important thing to ever happen. Now your job, your purpose is to tell the world about this. They're not gonna believe you. They're not gonna recognize its significance. Show them. Show them. With your mouth and with your actions, show them that this is the most important thing to ever happen, and, t- and show them that their eternity hangs in the balance. It's the most important thing. That's what I'm after. Um, and when, I'm, when I remember that's what everything is about. Even the things that don't seem like that. Obviously, this, this is easy. Actually, this is the easiest part for me of, of that happening, me, me preaching about it. Um, but even when I do say yes to some birthday party or some school event or some other thing, I have to remember that this is still in play for me. That the whole point of me being there—that when I walk in, demons better get a little messed up by my presence. That I'm here for an eternal reason. I'm not just here to put in my time, say happy birthday, and walk out. That God has me there for a purpose, and I'm here—I'm here to—to I'm here to mess things up in the spiritual. So when I walk into it, when I remember my purpose, and I'm not just going through the motions, when I walk in, I walk in kind of like a lion looking for something to attack. Spiritually speaking, I am on offense. It's easy for you to say, pastor. No, you're supposed to do it too. When you know that, when you walk into a room, demons are supposed to go, oh, crap, everything we were going to do. Everything we were going to do, they're going to jack it up because they're here and they can feel that you're you're on mission. You have a purpose. You're supposed to be a light in that dark place. You're supposed to have that. Do you have that? You know that God put you here for a reason. You know that God put you in the social circles that you're in for a reason. You're supposed to be that light. You are. I don't know the details. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I know that you're supposed to participate in that story. It's God's story, and you now play a role in it. I don't want to do anything else. We don't want to do anything else. Worship team, why don't you guys come back up here? Um, here's what I want to say. When I start, I know every time I talk about purpose, (laughs) it's kind of split where some people are like, yeah. And then other people are like, but wait, I like don't know mine. Like some people leave comforted and encouraged. Some people leave a little tortured. So I want to talk to you if you're sitting here going, okay, you're talking about purpose. You're talking about this stuff that ripples into eternity. I just don't know my purpose. Here's what I want to say to you. I don't know it either. But if I were you, I would do nothing else but figure that out. Nothing else. Why would you want to live another minute not knowing why? Like I would would make it the focus of my prayer and I would increase my prayers. I would get into that throne room, grab a hold of that robe and not let go until he tells me, why did you create me? Why did you put me here? What is the purpose of all this? Don't let go until he tells you. By the way, he wants to. You think he wants you to live in a mystery? He wants you to know why he created you. Ask him. Don't leave him alone. Ask him to reveal it to you. Ask him what the next step is for you to pursue it because maybe he won't reveal the whole thing at at a time. Maybe he's just wanting you to take that one next step of obedience so that then he can reveal the next part of the path. Maybe you're saying no to something little, but it's the thing that's going to lead to something big. Say yes. Do nothing else. Pursue that. Pray with me. Jesus, I pray for the person right now who struggles with this, this idea of purpose, that it's a a point of pain in their life. Lord, I pray that you would not let them leave that thought, that this would be a pebble in their intellectual shoe, that when they walk out of here, when they drive home, when they're eating, when they're going to lay down tonight, that they would think about purpose, that you would draw them in, Lord, you would invite them in to a conversation about why you created them and that you just wouldn't leave them alone until... You reveal it. Lord, I pray for the person in here right now who struggles to say no to things in their life. Lord, I, I pray that you would break that spell, Lord. I pray that you would release them from the guilt and the burden of saying yes to everything or the, uh, the, 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 the guilt and the burden of, of what other people think about them, Lord, and that they would single mindedly pursue what you want them to do, not what everyone else wants them to do. Lord, I pray that we would remember that we're going to die someday. And that we should live our lives in the context of our deaths. I pray that you would be glorified, Lord. And I pray for the person who maybe hasn't accepted you yet, who hasn't put their faith in you yet. I pray that you would break their heart right now, Lord. You would open their eyes to see that that is the most important thing that ever happened. And that them putting their faith in you is the next thing that they need to do in their life. That that is the next step. And that there aren't really any other meaningful steps until they take that one. I pray that you would move in that way, and that they would just pray to give their lives to you right now, right here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.